Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. However you may be listening, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or through any of the podcast platforms, I want to thank you for being here. Got another great show today. We have Brian Hughes with Business Development Management. Brian has got his start in property management as the BDM for RentWorks in San Antonio. There, he helped add over 1,100 doors in three years. He hired additional BDM staff and learned what it takes to grow a PM business. In 2019, Brian and Brad Larson founded BizDev Mastermind, which is a consulting company which helps property managers hire and train business development managers capable of adding 20 to 30 plus doors per month. Today, Brian and BizDev Mastermind have helped hundreds of property managers and continue to help their clients Reach their, reach their growth goals. When he's not helping property manager companies grow, he enjoys spending time with his wife and business partner, Stephanie, with their dog, Biscuit, while doing anything in the great outdoors. So <clears throat> we're going to talk to Brian here. And obviously, Brian's on the sales side of things. And he actually helped me out when I presented at Texas State with some KPIs for sales. So do appreciate that as well, Brian. So I figured today would be a good hot topic for let's talk about sales versus operations. The old yin and the yang that is sales versus operations. Regardless of what industry you're in, there's always going to be a debate or shall I say a battle between sales and operations, right? So if, for example, a property manager, property management industry, sales wants to take everything. Houses in the low income area. Let's take it. Hey, it's 68 units. We don't do we don't do multifamily. Let's take it. I signed it up. Hey, this one has no roof. Okay, let's take it. So, like sales will like literally take anything and everything. They want to say they want to get that yes, and they want to go ahead and kind of kill the kill kill it and move on. Right? Like, hey, I'm I'm I got the deal. I'm moving on. Operations, right? They have to then deal with this. So they only want to take what's like the most perfect business, right? So, like, it's got to be a house. It's got to be in a certain area. It's got to be certain square footage. It's got to be a nice house. It doesn't need, it can't have any amount of work. No, the, all the owner also has to be a good owner. How do we know he's a good owner? Well, we have to get, you know, so we have all these hoops. And, and so we want everything to be perfect. And so I always tease, if a sales guy ran your business, you'd have, you know, 2,000 properties and it, chaos would ensue and it'd be crazy. If you had an operations guy run your business, you'd probably have 10 doors, but they'd be running perfect. And so obviously when sales brings in a bunch of properties that operations can't or don't want to handle, it creates some animosity between your sales team and your operations team. And if you are 
the salesperson and the operations person, well, then you don't have this challenge because you're only going to bring in the doors that, that you want to manage. So <clears throat> when Steve and I, my business partner, when we started Empire, we, we were a growing business. We wanted to grow. We needed properties, right? We're, you know, just like we all start out, you need some properties. And this whole sales versus ops thing was a reoccurring theme. So Steve would come in and he'd be like, hey, man, I got this new property. You're going to take it. And I would look at it and it'd be like a $600 rental in like the area where like you had an, you need a flag jacket and your, and your CHL license and handgun to go over to the property. I'm like, Steve, we're not going to be able to rent this property. We're not, we don't have any agents that'll go down there. These folks don't do X, Y, Z. And you just name all the obstacles that, that it would cause. Or Steve would say, hey, Pete, I just got a 25-unit apartment complex that we can manage. I'm like, Steve, we don't manage multifamilies. So this went on for quite some time where we had this battle. And, and sometimes I'd win, sometimes he'd win. So, for, so finally, we created, we had a solution. We had this great idea. Well, let's create some guidelines, right? So our, our original guidelines were like, look, we're not going to take any multifamily which is over four units here in, in Houston, Texas. And we're not going to do any rentals over a, a thousand, uh, below a thousand dollars. Right. So we figured that the bad, get rid of the bad element. So then of course, Steve would bring in properties and he, they would be in the low rent areas, bad zip codes, tough areas. And he'd be like, but look, this property will lease for a thousand fifty. And so like he was, <laughs> he's like using the guidelines as, as, a, as a way to like, oh, I ran this CMA, it's 1,050. I'm like, come on, man. It's still, it's still in an area where I got to bring my flag jacket and my, and my sidearm, man. Like, I don't want to go down there, buddy. Right. And so I'm like, okay, let's try to do this again. Let's create some new guidelines. At that point, we were a little, we were growing and Steve had a couple of salespeople. I had a couple of property managers and it'd be literally like one of these boardroom meetings that you would see you know, in the, in the movies, one side's the operations team, one side's the sales team. And it's like, we're negotiating like a contract, right? Creating these, creating these guidelines. It got to the point where literally Steve and I would always be fighting over, you know, you're bringing on, you know, bad doors and we, we can't manage them. And he's like, you're not, you're not allowing me to sell. We can't hit our goals. Cause I can't bring in, you know, I can't, I can't just give you perfect properties. And so once again, we had to sit down and create some, some guidelines, but it's not just a type of property, right? The other guidelines were uh, early on, Steve would sell a deal or one of his salespeople would sell a deal. They would literally throw a PMA on somebody's desk and like just move on their merry way. And like, wait a second, you know, I mean, where are the keys? Where's the lease? Where's the information about the property? Where's the owner contact information? You know, where like there's items that we need to onboard this property. So we sat down and we had to create not only guidelines on the type of properties, the areas where we would take, the type of property we would take, but also owner guidelines. So we were able to, you know, if we could decipher if an owner, you know, didn't have money or was going to be a pain throughout the sales process, we would actually, you know, tell the owner like, we, hey, we can't do business with you. And this was really difficult for our sales team but we also also put guidelines in what is the salesperson's responsibilities. So we tried to minimize the salesperson's responsibilities so that they can go out and sell. And we literally created an onboarding team. So the property manager didn't have to actually do all the onboarding because onboarding can take, it, 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 it takes a lot of time and effort. So the onboarding team would gather the information, almost like an inside sales team. But the, the true solution 
was getting me and Steve out of the whole decision process making. And that was an eye-opening experience for me as a business owner. Once I got Steve out of the sales side and I said, you know what, we're going to go ahead and put my, you know, my manager of property management or my COO, and we're going to put the sales manager and those guys are going to quote unquote fight it out. All of a sudden, me and Steve didn't have to arm wrestle on what properties we're going to take or not take. By the way, Steve's a lot bigger than me. He would normally win those arm wrestling matches. And, uh, and so that's what... So that's what we had to do. We had to actually step out, but we created some guidelines on the, on the types of properties, and then we created guidelines on the responsibilities. So we knew like, okay, this is, you know, this is a definite we'll take. This is a definitely not we'll take, right? So we knew those right away. And then we had the gray area. And the gray area was where the sales manager and the ops manager would sit down and say, okay, you know, based on how much growth we have or based on this salesperson performance, like we, we need a win or, or this property is actually not too bad, even though it's in a rougher area, it's an up and coming area. So they would talk it out and, you know, they would make decisions, not just based on the guidelines. So that's the hot topic for the day. All right. We're going to be right back after this commercial break. Talk to uh, Brian and we're going to talk about how you can grow your business with, with sales. All right. We'll be right back. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. All right, welcome back, everybody. And as promised, I have Brian Hughes here with uh, BizDev Mastermind. So, Brian, a lot of people want to know a little bit, like, tell us a story about how you started and why you started the BizDev Mastermind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me here, Pete. So BizDev Mastermind, we actually started, I was a business development manager here in San Antonio, Texas at a company called Rentworks run by Brad Larson. And when we got, I got started back there in 2015 as their BDM and we grew really quickly. In my first year as a BDM, we brought on 360 some properties. The second year we brought on 380. My third year there, we brought on 420 some properties. So we grew really quickly. And really that was a function of just trying everything under the sun. We tried some things that worked. We tried some things that didn't work. I always call Brad, you know, he just, he would come back from conferences and just drop ideas on us. And we would, we would then go ahead and try and implement them and figure it out. And although, you know, we ran into a lot of things that didn't work, we ran into a lot of things that did work and worked really well to the point that we grew as quickly as we did. 
So then fast forward to 2019 and other property managers at conferences and just, you know, throughout our network are asking, how are you guys growing so quickly? You know, what are you doing to generate leads? You know, how do you structure your business development processes? What does your sales process look like? What do you do to market your business? So folks were asking us these types of questions. So Brad and I got together, we formed BizDev Mastermind. In 2019, we started the business officially. 2020, that became my full-time role in running and managing BizDev Mastermind. Today, we've grown to have uh, myself, my wife, Brad, still involved in the business to a degree. And also, we have a, a couple of virtual assistants uh, who work with us today. So now 2022, we've helped hundreds of property managers, hire great salespeople, business development managers, train those salespeople, and just also implement the tools and techniques that help property management businesses grow. Thanks, Brian. So people tend to lump sales and marketing in the same basket. Can you discuss why they're not the same? Yeah, absolutely. So they are different skills and they're different things. You know, sales is, you know, taking a lead and, and taking it from that initial inquiry to, you know, getting that sale close. And that's, you know, sales can be kind of put into, to, into those activities. Everything from that initial phone call, that initial interaction, when the, the lead or the prospect actually picks up the phone and says, I want to talk to you, you know, that's really where sales begins. Whereas marketing, marketing actually begins much further back than that. It actually really truthfully should start with strategy, looking at your business and, and what your goals are. And, and a lot of things go into that. But marketing, in, in my opinion, is, is really more focused on generating the leads, generating the opportunities, generating those phone calls so that your salespeople can then actually take those phone calls and, and, and close those sales. So although they're similar and, and definitely work together, there definitely are some differences. So marketing makes the phone ring, sales basically converts them to, to a client. Yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. And do, do you find that, I, I found that the marketing personality profile and the sales personality profile are quite different. Do you see the same thing in your, in your, on your side of deals? They can be. You know, if we're talking about, you know, it, it depends how you're defining each of them. So if we want someone as a marketing person, marketing coordinator, mar marketing director, you know, whatever their title is, someone in marketing, if we want their job to be to analyze trends, look at the, the Google My Business page, look at the, you know, Google ads, look at pay-per-click, if we want them to create blog content, if we want them to analyze keywords, if that's what we're talking about when we mean marketing, yes, that's definitely a different personality type than someone who's in sales and someone who's good at, you know, having those conversations with prospects and, and closing the deals, asking the hard questions, doing those things. But in a lot of cases, especially in property management companies, they are not able to hire a salesperson and a marketing person, have them both be full-time. So in a lot of cases, property managers find themselves looking for someone who you know, has some of the sales skills, has some of the marketing skills, or at least can be taught or trained or, or you know, pick up some of those things. Jack of all, master of none sometimes, right? <laughs> well, you don't need to necessarily be a master of all things in order to get them done. And that was something that I definitely learned at being a business development manager is that, you know, imperfect action beats inaction every single time. You know, if you get something 80% done and you get it up and running, that's going to beat the guy up the street who doesn't have anything going. You know, so we don't need to be expert marketers necessarily to, to start a drip campaign, to, you know, produce some content and do some other things, especially if you're being pointed in the right direction. I also find it comical that we spend a lot of money to make the phone ring and then we don't answer the phone a lot of times on the sales side. So, <clears throat> all right. So we talked about BDM, business development manager or salesperson, yeah. somebody who sells for the, for your management uh, company. So what exactly 
does a job role look like? What does a BDM do? Yeah, sure. So, you know, at, at different companies and different levels, this, this may vary, but in general, most business development managers are in charge of growing the company. And, and that's an umbrella term and, and, and encompasses a lot. But in general, their, their main duties are, are taking incoming leads, you know, meeting with prospects and, and closing those, those deals. But not all property management companies have enough incoming leads to sustain a full-time person where their only job is taking incoming leads. If you're at that position, that's great. And that's typically all your BDM will do is take, take those incoming leads and close them. But for most property management companies in that 150 to 800 property range, they're generally not producing enough leads you know, company-wide to, to sustain someone like that. So in those cases, those BDMs at those companies are also in charge of, in a lot of cases, helping to develop leads. So developing business, things like, you know, seeking out agent referrals, creating content, attending events, and doing those things that we, we know can, can help generate leads. So if you do have a lot of leads coming in, do you see where, because a, a BDM to me in, in the disc profile is a high I, which means they're great at speaking, probably pretty decent at closing, great at building relationships, but terrible at detail. Do you see where, if, if you have enough volume, where that you can actually hire a virtual team member to assist with the BDM and they do all of the kind of paperwork, CMAs, things of that nature? Man, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> I'm smiling big because I'm thinking back to my time as a BDM. When I had, we had our virtual team members, Martin and Josh, who helped on the uh, the business development side and, and they were great. And and you you definitely uh, guilty as charged, you know, not uh, the most detail oriented person in the world. So, you know, having Martin and Josh as backup to help put together uh, marketing materials, they would put together rental estimates, you know, essentially, you know, be a backup for us if we were out in the field or, or doing, you know, not able to get to the phones. So yeah, that can be a huge asset, you know, not only for like the things I mentioned, but also marketing initiatives, you know, reaching out to referral sources, reaching out to potential prospects. Really, the list goes on and on, all the different things that remote team member can help with in business development. So in your experience, what are some of the strategies that you have seen that generate leads to grow your business? This is where everybody should be turning their radio up or, or turning their podcast up. So give us, give us some of the secret sauce here, Brian. Sure, sure, absolutely. So there's, there's a ton of different strategies to, to generate leads. And I think the key to any and all of them is to be consistent. You know, if you try something for a couple of weeks and it doesn't work out and you throw in the towel, you know, you're not really giving an honest try and, and not really, you know, you can't say one way or another whether that works or not. But all that being said, let's talk about some of the, the strategies that, that we see. You know, one of the, the most tried and true strategies that sometimes folks get wrong is, is getting agent referrals, getting referrals from realtors. And, you know, there's, there's a ton of ways to go about this, but what we found is that, you know, not all realtors can provide you referrals. Not all realtors are working with investors or, or run across deals that would require a property manager that they could even refer to you. So step number one is to identify who are those realtors who are working with investors? Who are those brokerages that work with investors and that could not send me one or two referrals a year, but 10, 15, 20 referrals each year. So that's step number one. If you're looking to get more agent referrals is start to identify who are those realtors who work with agents most and then start to build a relationship with those folks. And so don't, don't try to build a relationship with everybody. Try to build a few relationships that provide lots of leads. Is that kind of the moral of the story there? Absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. 
You know, it comes back to the, the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule. You know, 20% of the agents are doing, are getting 80% of the business or, or some would even say 10% are getting 90%. Yeah, I would, I would say, you know, we've seen a massive shift in real estate industry over the last few years where teams are now doing a lot of the work, a lot, a lot of the business. And so a great referral program would be to just target the teams, right? Absolutely. Target market, target the real estate teams. And then uh, talk, just, uh, just touch on what do you mean by referral program? What is, what does that look like real quick on, on a high level? Absolutely. So <clears throat> most property management or most realtors are, are not set up to manage properties. So when their clients are coming to them and saying, hey, I got a property and looking for a property manager, that realtor wants to have someone on their team or someone within their network that they can refer to. So property managers will create a referral program where they're offering this realtor, you know, X, X amount of money for that referral in return for that referral. And typically, they're also guaranteeing to return that client back to the realtor when they're ready to sell. And, you, you know, if you don't do this or you don't, you know, don't do it one too many times, you, you'll get called out on it. And, you know, I'm aware of property management companies in our own market that really the, the breaks went on with the referrals when it came to their company because it kind of got out that they were poaching clients. So, you know, those are the, the two main points of the referral program. Pay, pay them something. Don't steal their clients. Thank and, you. Uh, that's usually this, just All right, give us a couple. Give us two more strategies, or one other, another couple of strategies. I'm, I'm ready okay. to start implementing some strategies, grow the business. Okay, sure, absolutely. So another one you may or may not have heard of is is creating content, and and I don't mean just creating a video and posting on your website and and you know saying calling it good. Having a legitimate content strategy that you know, that attracts your ideal audiences. So I'll give you one tool that can help you come up with some of the the best ideas for content. It's answerthepublic.com. So you go to answerthepublic.com. You can type in, say, property management or property manager. You want to choose a general term like that. You could also do rentals or rental market, things like that. When you do that, what that gives you is it gives you a list of the top search questions around that term. So, you know, what does a property manager do? When should I hire a property manager? What does it, you know, what are the regulations on property management? And what you'll find is there's a lot of questions that you wouldn't necessarily think to make a video about or think to write a blog about, but by using this tool, we know that they are some of the most searched terms that are out there. So we're, we're getting the most, you know, most bang for our buck when we create a video that has a title that is one of the top search terms in Google. So that's one tool you can and use. Then you're, and then you're becoming the expert, <clears throat> which makes the phone ring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the next step is what do you do with that content afterwards? You post it into relevant Facebook groups. If there's an investor group, you can also send it directly to realtors or investors through Facebook or LinkedIn, through Messenger. And there's a ton of different ways that, that you can use this content. We actually have a content checklist that we'll, we'll give to our clients. So if there is anyone listening wants that content checklist, shoot me an email. Again, I'm happy to share that with you. And so the marketing team might create the content or the owner of the business might create the content, but then the salesperson is the one who's going to make sure it goes into those groups and they're going to do some... I call it offense, right? The defense is you have to answer the phone and then you have a sales system. But the offense is like, okay, I'm gonna, what, what am I going to do to make that phone ring, right? Yep. Right? Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, kind of what, what the checklist kind of <clears throat> consists of. We're posting in relevant groups. We're sending it out to our network. You know, we are, we're putting it into our, onto our social media feeds and doing those things that, you know, like, like you kind of mentioned, going out there and, and putting that content in the right place as opposed to waiting for someone to stumble across it. So let me ask you, does, does cold calling work or is it something that maybe you shouldn't do? Like, 
you know, should I be looking on MLS and seeing people that are, are, you know, the agents that lease a lot or am I looking for, for rent by owner or, you know, for rent by owner or something like that? What's yeah. your, what's your, what's your take on that? Sure. I think strategic cold calling still works. Now pulling out, you know, a list of all investors in your market, 10,000 people and going down the line and making those phone calls. And we've done that. So I can tell you firsthand experience, it's, it's tough. But I can tell you also, we, 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 you don't see the results typically that make it worth your time, especially if you're using someone, you know, who's, who's getting paid a salary and full-time and all that type of stuff. But strategic cold calling, as in finding ideal potential clients who, who maybe have shown some interest in a, in a product or service, I think does work. And, and let me tell you, kind of explain what I mean. So one of the things that will help our clients set up is our email drip campaigns. And through these drip I campaigns, just, I was just writing down drip campaigns. Next thing I was going to ask you about. <laughs> Great. So talk, yeah. to us, talk to us a little bit about that. Okay, perfect. So yes, we, we send a drip campaign to every investor in your market. And that's, that's essentially the cold call. We put them on that drip campaign. We're letting them know, hey, we're here. Hey, we're here. Hey, we're here. And then through that campaign, through your software, you can see who opened that email, who clicked on those links, who's opened the last 10 of your emails and clicked on the link 10 different times, open it up five times at midnight. That might be someone I might want to cold call. So in using tools like that or techniques like that, I think that's the best way to, to get the most out of cold calling. But, you know, even that said, some people are just masters on the phone and, and can do it, but that's, that's what we've seen. Do you have a software or two that you have seen work really well for the drip campaigns and, and, and you know, the click through rate and all that good stuff? Yeah. The one that I've been using most is, is MailShake. 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 Okay. MailShake. Yes. Okay. Not milkshake, MailShake. All right. Um, and the reason I would recommend that is it, it, it has all the tools and, and everything that, that MailChimp or that Constant Contact or some of the more well-known ones have, but it's just at a lower price point. There you you know, know, that's that's basically it. But I so, love HubSpot, but the price point on HubSpot puts a lot of people, you know, uh, out of the market for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to get on, you know, MailChimp and spend 300 bucks a month for a drip campaign. Whereas MailShake is like 60 bucks a month, something like that. Man, that's two, that's two nice drops you did there. So thanks for that. Okay. So, so now I, I, I get some leads. Great. And the phone rings or the email bings. Now, how do I close them? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a great question. First, I mean, it's, it's sales process really, but even before that, we also have to make sure who's answering that phone. Because a lot of times, well, isn't that part of the sales process? Doesn't it? Does it start at that level, like who answers the phone, or is that a different process in your mind? No, absolutely. You're, you're definitely right. It, it definitely starts with who answers the phone. I suppose what I'm getting so at is. I just want to pause right here. If yeah. you do not have a sales process, turn your radio up or your podcast because it is imperative that you have a sales process. I'm a process guy. I didn't think sales pro- sales need a process. I'm like, oh, we need operational processes, but your marketing and your sales need processes too. So, all right, Brian, have at it. Absolutely, yeah. You definitely have the nail on the head. That you know, there's there's all types of statistics to show you, you know, what works in sales. And and still, salespeople time and time again will push back and say, well, everyone's different. Every situation's different. I have to feel them out. And and you know, that's what works. But the, the results are in using a sales process, what works. So some of the, the key elements in the sales process that we've seen be effective one and first and foremost, speed to lead, get back to leads quickly. If you're getting back to them within the first minute of it coming in, your chance is almost quadruple of getting that business according to a study done by Velocify. You know, if you get back within 15 minutes, your, your results still double. So getting back to leads quickly is, is step number one. 
Okay. Step number two is having a process or, or a format for that initial phone call. Can I pause uh, you re real quick? Quick, quick yeah. question. If somebody calls you, obviously you're going to call them back. If somebody emails you, do you call them or do you email them back? Like, do you, how do you respond to them? Yeah, I would always call back because, you know, that kind of puts us as the salesperson at the most advantageous position. We want to hear their, their inflection. We want to be able to, you know, have them on the other end of the phone. But if they, if we call them and they email us back or they text back or they, you know, want to communicate through that, that's the means of communication. They've kind of said, I prefer to text or I prefer to email. Well, I'm going to continue here with the sales process, but I got to ask you a question. I'm assuming the BizDev Mastermind would help me build a sales process? Absolutely. So yeah, what we do with our clients, we help you hire the right person. We help you build out the sales process, build out the marketing funnel and put your BDM in a position to be successful. And certainly sales process. Right. Is a good so I know the sales process you're going going over is just kind of really high level. And, and so I appreciate that, but so, okay. So answer the call, answer the phone. If you don't answer it, respond back within a minute, 15 at the, at the latest. All right. Now, now tell me what's the next step. Because yeah. most people don't just say, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, you call me back, great, take it, right? Like it's, it takes a little bit longer to, to, uh, of a sale process, I would think, right? Sure, sure. So, yeah, once you have that initial phone call, you know, we ask a series of questions. Things like, when are you looking to list this property for rent? Have you ever worked with a property manager before? Have you done any research on what the home could rent for? And how did you hear about this? What's the purpose of the questions? Yeah, each of them really has a specific purpose. When are you looking to list for rent? Tells me how quickly I have to move. Are they a hot lead or are they a, are they a tire kicker? Yep, exactly, exactly. So that's what we're figuring out with that. Have you ever worked with a property manager before or rented this home out or rented any home out? That's telling us how experienced they are. You know, do we got to start from what's a leasing fee or do they own multiple properties across the country and, and they get it? In nice. the last question, have you done any research on what your home could rent for? That's kind of a softball for us because whether they say yes or no or anything else, we're going to say, okay, well, I'm sure you've done your research, but what we can do is we can do a analysis using MLS, get you a really good estimate of rent and, and go through that with you. And then all of a sudden you've become the rental expert. Got it. So what you're doing is you're, you're, that's the next step in the process. You're, you're, you're creating the next step. I'm going to go ahead and give you something of value, which means a law of reciprocity. Right. I'm going to give you yeah. the deal. Okay. Exactly. And, and they're saying, Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. No problem. Yeah. You're already working for them. Nice. On average, how long do you, when you were doing BDM work, mm -hmm. how long did it take you to close a deal on, on average? I know you, I don't know if you, you guys actually sure. check, check, you know, some, some people close right away. I get that. But on, on average, what was, what was the time frame on closing? A deal? Yeah. If I remember correctly, the average is around 45 days. And, and that's because some are going to be really quick and some are going to be six months, nine months down the road and even longer. It's, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's so varied. There's, there's kind of, and what I've seen is there's usually two groups of people. There's usually either the, the folks who are, I'm moving out next week and I need a property manager. Can you come get me signed up? And then there's the other group of folks who are, you know, I might be taking a job sometime next year. I wanted to call, get all the information now and, and kind of go from there. So in my experience, that's, that's usually what we've seen. So it's, it's so varied, but. So at, at Empire, we tracked it and we were about 40 days. So that's a right of right in line with what, with what, what you're saying as well. And we'll talk about numbers to track here in, in a moment, but first what I want to get into. So 
the other thing I heard, and, and you maybe you've, you've probably had more research on this, but I, I was always taught that it takes seven touches before somebody says yes. It's, was it seven no's before they say yes or six no's before they say yes? Like is, that, are yeah. you, did you hear the same thing or is that, am I just pulling some stuff out of my, out of the air? <laughs> no, I've heard it too. Yeah. Seven, like seven to 15 touches before you make the sale on average. Right. So what does that tell you? If, if you're listening and you do not have a sales process that hits somebody seven to 15 times, you're losing out on a lot of people who are eventually going to say yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, a lot of reasons folks don't. Sometimes I've, I've heard from salespeople and company owners, well, you know, I don't want to chase them. If they don't want to work with me, you know, so be it. Or, you know, I don't want to annoy them. I don't want to be pushy. But, you know, think of yourself, think you as a business owner, think how many, how many vendors are calling you constantly and, and you do want to work with them, you do, but you just have other things going on and you're not, that's not the top of your list, top of your plate. It's the same thing for all your clients. So don't be afraid to make that extra phone call, that text message. They want to work with you. You just got to get a hold of them. Another, another stat I heard is when you are doing drip campaigns, 75% of the time should be informational and 25% should be sales. Do you see that as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So our drip campaigns are, are, are information about the market. It's information about the team. Right. Not even information about your own company. It's, 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 a, it's about like overall, right? High level Absolutely. stuff. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Here's, here's three zip codes we've seen be hot this year. You know, oh, here's what landlords need to know, things like that. Yep. resources, all of that. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. All right. So now I'm a PM. I'm listening. I've been on the fence about a BDM for the longest time, but I'm still scared. You've talked to many, many property managers that are looking to hire BDMs. What are some of the biggest objections that you have seen and that you're able to overcome to get them to actually hire somebody? And now they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't do this two years ago. Sure. Sure. Yeah, a lot of uh, business owners have, they have a handful of objectives or a few of them, but one of them that I hear is, you know, hey, no one can do the sales as well as I can. <laughs> that's a good one. And, and, you know, that's exactly, you laugh, and, but it's it's a belief that a lot of folks have. And, and I get it, you know, you own the business, you, you are the business, so you think you can sell it the best. You know, that's whether that may be true or not, you, you know, someone who's 10% is, is 90% as good as you, as you and frees up your time is going to be, you know, all that more effective. You know, some of the, I got a great story about that real quick. So a lot of people know my old business partner, Steve Rosenberg, and uh, Steve was the guy who used to sell for us. And I hired this girl who was actually supposed to be like our leasing person, but she, she was a high eye and I knew she's gonna be a great salesperson. I knew she's gonna be a terrible leasing person. I needed the leasing person for a few months. I told her to sit tight. I tell Steve, Hey, Kelly is now going to be the BDM. Oh no, she can't do it as good as me. I can't like... The old, the old saying is if they can do it 80% as good as you, let them do it, right? The yeah. funny thing is she did a better job than he did and not even long, it didn't even take her a long time. It was like after about two months, she was, she was bringing in more doors and less redlining of my contracts. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it just shows you that like sometimes you're, 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 the, you're your worst enemy, right? Like, okay, so I love that. That's a great one. That's a great overcome, over, uh, objection. What's, an, what's another one that you run into? Yeah, another another big one is is you know cost and and return on investment. I think you know some property managers maybe they're at you know two hundred units or so and they're thinking you know realistically my BDM might be able to bring on ten properties a month and looking at my numbers <clears throat> for them to completely pay for themselves they may need to bring on 14, 15 properties a month and and they may struggle with that calculation. But what I would suggest is also look at what a BDM is doing beyond just closing the leads that you have come in. 
if they're building out your sales funnel, if they're helping you to generate leads, if they're generating awareness about your business, if they're doing some of those, those other things that are, are also net positive for the business, you know, you may, you may think to yourself, okay, they're not going to pay for themselves year one, but year two, year three, year four, year five, when those accounts they brought on are, are still a part of your business, the returns are there and then some. So you just got to kind of look at the long-term gains and, and trust in the process that if you implement these, these tools and these strategies, which are not, you know, nothing out of left field that, you know, and you continue to progress, you'll grow. I would think the BDM is literally the one position that you hire and they bring you more money, right? Yeah. You can't say that for an accounting person or even a property manager for that, yep. for that matter, right? BDM, they're responsible for bringing in business. But, but you're right. So if they can't bring in so many doors to cover their, their deal, as long as you hold your doors, they're going to pay for themselves many times over as the years come. Absolutely. And also, you know, that's, uh, they may bring on 10 the first few months, but, you know, a year down the road when they're more experienced, more processes in place, those, those numbers tend to hockey stick if you have the right person in the right seat. Yeah. As long as you're keeping them doors. Yep. Absolutely. That's yes, not absolutely. their job. That's not their job. They got to get it. They got to get the yep. right door. Right. That, that's a whole other deal about having sales and operations kind of going at it. I've had more than one wrestling match with Rosenberg about if we're going to take a door or not. So I, I all right. any other ones that come to mind of objection? Those are, seem to be the two uh, big ones. Yeah, those, those are the two big ones. You know, other other times clients, you know, hey, I don't know if it's the right time. And it's a timing thing. And, and they're, you know, trying to figure things out. And I, I think sometimes you may wait too long to make a change in your business and, and it, it can come back to, to bite you. So just like if you're thinking about, you know, making a change with your staff and, you know, the, the advice is just to do it. If you're thinking about growing your business, just do it, start. And, and that's the, the first step. So let's talk about managing them. What are some of the KPIs that you like to look through or you like to, you know, to make sure that they're hitting uh, from, for that job role? Yeah. So for our clients, we give them three separate trackers. We have an activity tracker, we have a goal tracker, and we have a sign-up tracker. The one that is really the most telling is the activity tracker. And that's telling us what are they working on in a day-to-day, a week-to-week basis. You know, how many outbound phone calls are they taking? How many are making? How many inbound calls are coming in? How many text messages are they sending out? How many videos are they sending out? You know, how many agents are they meeting with? Brokers and, and a whole list of 30 or so different KPIs that basically outlines all things that they could do as a BDM. And when we see someone is consistently hitting those activity numbers, we know that the, the signups are going to come. The numbers will come because they're out there building relationships. They're letting people know about the company. They're, they're promoting the business. And it's really just a matter of, of when. But conversely, when you look at the activity tracker and you see someone's not doing the prospecting that's necessary, they're not doing what's needed, it, it helps us either you know, nip that in the butt before it becomes an issue or, or helps us make decisions that, you know, that, that we may need to. But yeah, the activity tracker, a real big part of it, you know, goal tracker, making sure your BDM has a goal and, and it's, it's being kept up with and tracked is, is also huge. And then, you know, knowing what you sign up also is, is, is pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. number of signups, uh, average cost of deal. Do you look at that as well? Yeah. So as, as far as like marketing costs, uh, I'm, I was thinking as far as like what, what it's going to bring into the business, right? So I sign yeah. up a deal. Great. But, but based on the management fees and all the other fees that we have, it, this is how much we can expect yearly on that cost and that, in, yeah. in that income revenue, I guess, revenue generated. Absolutely. So yeah, that's uh, tracked to the sign up tracker. What is the annual management fee revenue for that, that unit? 
And we don't track leasing fees because that's not necessarily controlled by the, the BDM if it's vacant or, or or otherwise that they can't really control that. We don't track ancillaries because uh, again, that's that's kind of out of the BDM's control. But we do track the annual management fee revenue. And, okay. and actually, typically that is what the bonus is based off of is how much revenue are you bringing into the company? That's interesting. I, I like that. But I figure if you're bringing in a door and you have ancillary fees and you have leasing fees, they're bringing those in. So we used to track all of that on our side, but I like where you're thinking. And if you have questions for Brian, reach out to him and, uh, and you know, actually sign up with these guys. All right. So you brought on, you touched on something, compensation. So there's a lot of people out there who just don't know how to compensate a BDM. And I've heard all sorts of different ways. Do you have a specific way that you like as a, as a rule? And, and I know I won't hold you to this because I'm sure for each client, you probably cater it a little bit different for each one. But just sure. in general, how do you compensate a BDM? Yeah, we do, we do base our, our salary based on the, the market and, and you know, cost of living and all that, that good stuff. Um, but in general, we're seeing salaries anywhere from 36 to, to 55,000, you know, across the country from, you know, uh, small markets. When you say salary, are they getting that and then a bonus or is that in the bonus? That's what you're shooting for with the, with the bonus. Yeah. So they're actually getting that. And then in addition, a bonus structure on top of that. Okay. And the bonus structure is typically a percentage of the management fee revenue. Okay. And as they hurt, hit certain goals or certain KPIs, that percentage will go up. So they may get 10% for the first, you know, X number of property until they hit a certain revenue target. And then the next revenue target, they may get 12%. And the next revenue target, they may get 14 So example, if they bring in 10 doors, 10%, as soon as they bring in door 11, now that percentage changes to 12%. And then they get to, let's say, that goes to 15. And then after 15, they get another percentage, something like that. Cool. Yep, exactly right. And That's is that, that revenue, so the, and your revenue is based on management fees only, not on the full amount that, the, that they're bringing. So is that true? Yep. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, their, their revenues, yeah, based on the management fees only, because that's, that's the thing they have most direct control over. So we, we're, we're, we, you know, I've, I've been in the business, you know, about 10 years now. And when I first started, no one had BDMs. Now we're going into like, a lot of people have BDMs and they know what a BDM is. And, and, uh, you know, you went to a conference 10 years ago, like BDM, what is that? Now you go to a conference like, oh yeah, you don't have a BDM. What are you stupid? So how do you see business development changing in the coming years? What, what's next? Yeah, I think, you know, with a lot of the consolidation of, of the industry and, and some of the bigger players coming in and, and buying up companies and, and the, the partnerships and the syndications and everything that's going on. I think a lot of, you know, property managers are, are finding themselves in a position they either need to grow or the, the knocks on their door to buy their company are to become unbearable and they're finally just going to do it. And, you know, so I think a lot of em emphasis on growth will, will happen in, in the coming years. If, if, as you mentioned, it kind of already has. <clears throat> but, you know, some of the ways that I've seen kind of unique are being focused on to grow your business, you know, acquisitions. That's I kind of touched on that. Um, some companies, their entire strategy is just to acquire other property management businesses. Even smaller ones, right? I'm seeing a lot of consolidation, even smaller ones. I got a couple of buddies up in Dallas. You know, they only got four or 500 doors, but they're they're going and buying 30 doors here to 100 doors there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, you, that's a good point. So those 30 doors, those 20 doors that come up, you know, there's realtors in every market who are managing 10, 15, 20, 30 doors, and they kind of do it as an afterthought, as, as a placeholder for their clients. But if you come and offer them a big fat check, they might think twice about, you know, about taking it. And then uh, they become a referral source, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Then they're definitely, they're going to get continued to refer, refer to you. So yeah, I've seen some, some clients and businesses going after that strategy and, and doing really well with it. All right, Brian, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back for the lightning round where I'm going to ask you a series of quick questions, series of questions. They're kind of one word or one sentence answers. Just, you know, real quick off the top of your head. If you want to expand on it, go for it. All right, everybody, we'll be right back for the, the lightning round. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bed bugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant, but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant, but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistants for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. All right. Welcome back, everybody. All right, Brian, are you ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I was the fifth grade spelling bee champ. Oh, all right. What Marvel character do you most associate with? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know Marvel off the top of my head. Or any comic book character. You know anybody? That man came to mind. All right. DC, but we'll take it. All right. Uh, what's your ideal vacation? Ooh, a beach. Somewhere on a beach. Nice. All right. What is one piece of advice you'd give someone just starting out in the PM business? Hmm. You know, try it. Try, try something that works. Keep trying uh, different strategies. Find what works for you and, and do more of that. Does pineapple belong on pizza? It does. Yes, absolutely. On certain pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> Jalapeno, pineapple, oof, can't go wrong. <laughs> what book are you currently reading or what is one that has impacted your business or life? Hmm. You know, I'm not a huge reader, I'll be honest, but uh, a podcast that I, I really uh, enjoy is, is How I Built This. It's an NPR podcast by Guy Raz, but it shows, it, it tells the stories, business owners tell their story of how they got started, you know, and, and they talk about the, the trials and tribulations and 
there's a ton of good lessons to be learned from that. One of my favorites is the episode with Herb Kellerman, the founder of uh, Southwest. Southwest Airlines. He's, he's hilarious and, and a lot of good anecdotes there. All right. Um, I wrote that one down. I'll, I'll download that one. Awesome. What is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? You know, we're, we're at a, a point where we're looking to hire and, you know, that's as a small business and I could relate to other small business owners, property managers are looking to hire their first BDM. We're looking to do something similar. And so we're, we're kind of weighing through those waters, just like some of our clients are. And, and it's, uh, it's exciting, but it's also a next step. Do you prefer dogs or cats? Dogs. Yeah. We got a, a American Staffordshire Terrier biscuit. She's, she's awesome. I love the name. If someone wants to get a hold of you, Brian, how, how, do you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, shoot, shoot me an email, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at bizdevmastermind.com. You can also visit our website, bizdevmastermind.com. There's a contact form there. But yeah, shoot me an email is usually the easiest way. And if you're looking for virtual team members to support your new BDMs because they're bringing in so much business, go to vpmsolutions.com or you can email me at pete at vpmsolutions.com. And if you're looking to join NARPM, Go to NARPM, N-A-R-P-M dot O-R-G, or call the good folks over there at 800-782-3452. Brian, thanks for being here today. Really appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Pete. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.